You know, one of my favorite authors who really challenges me, gets deep, and, and sometimes, you know, can take some complicated thoughts and, and actually make them simple is Dr. Seuss. Um, he begins one of his works, Every Who Down in Whoville likes Christmas a lot. But the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. In fact, he hated Christmas, shares that. And he says, now, really don't ask why. No one quite knows. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be his shoes were just too tight. Likely the reason of all was that his heart was two sizes. What? Too small. We're starting into a series on generosity, and I sometimes think that God looks at my heart and goes, Oh, man, Kevin, we need to stretch this a few sizes. We need to, we need to actually create some release so there's not such stinginess and such protectiveness and such... Um, lack of vulnerability and lack of sacrifice and serving, whatever it might be. And I think sometimes he looks at us and he, he says, I'd really like you to have a heart like mine that's generous. And so we're going to talk about that. And my hope is that possibly your heart might be stretched a couple sizes in this whole process as we go through these messages. I'm going to ask you to stand, would you? And we will pray. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We ask that in this time, as we come into your presence, that you would allow for us to experience you, to hear you through your word, and may your spirit stretch us, comfort us as needed, encourage us where it's needed. And, and I pray over these next few weeks, teach us what it means to have a generous heart. Increase the size of our heart. May we be big-hearted people like you, a big-hearted God. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated, thanks. You know, as a parent, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that um, when things matter to you, you want to make sure that they matter to your kids. So like, if, if it comes around something like being polite and proper, you'll probably kind of do the kind of things to help them learn that. You'll model it. You'll educate them in it. You'll actually encourage them to do it. So you'll kind of want to teach them to be thankful, right? And to say thank you at the appropriate occasions or to look someone in the eyes. There's actually a class that does that. And some parents are really concerned about that. In, in one of the classes, is called Cotillion. Anybody heard about Cotillion? Raise your hand real high if you've heard Cotillion. Good. Okay. If you've heard about how many how many of you have actually gone to a Cotillion class? Raise your hand. Okay, it's kind of about the same in the first service. We had about three or four. And then, then I asked this question, how many sent your kids to cotillion classes? All these hands went up. And <laughs> so some of you who know what cotillion is, it's, cotillion is just this, this course that was created by a, a guy, his, his name is John D. Williams, and it was out of Denver. And I don't know what can, good can come out of Denver. Um, <laughs> I, I say that to uh, Shelley, who's on staff, and... Uh, is a Denver, Stephen suddenly Denver Bronco fans, I guess. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, anyway. 
Well, in, in, in Katelian, one of the ideas that they have is that uh, it, it, they try and raise kids who will be polite, will kind of understand some of the social graces. And, and one person, when they were actually, their mother was considering bringing them to them, she was looking at a picture and she said, boys and girls were dancing, holding hands. This is about eight years of age, kids are dancing, holding hands, and drinking punch together, like some kind of southern ball. Um, the boys wore, wore, wore jackets and ties, and the girls wore dresses and white gloves. And then it says, the brochure reads, in a world where kindness and courtesy and respect are often overlooked, J.D.W. Cotillion is recognized as an authority in educating young people in the art of social dance and social skills training. I actually thought of sending our kids to that at one point, but then they, we model it so well that... Um, <laughs> So what's important to you as a parent, you're going to want to somehow model, you're going to want to teach, you're going to want to encourage your children to become like that in those ways, correct? And so we have a heavenly father who was really desiring for his people to have a generous heart like like he has. And what one of the problems is, it's a stereotype of God is a God who's very stingy, a God who's really angry, a God who withholds, a God who doesn't give you what you think you need or want. And so you, we live with this kind of stereotype. And God said, no, that's not me. And as you go through scripture, you see this generous God. And at one point, he's so desiring not only to have us have generous hearts, he sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus models what generosity means. And he teaches about generosity. And, and then he actually encourages us to grow our hearts from being two sizes too small to hopefully begin to grow into the size of generosity to be a big-hearted person like our big-hearted God. And so as we get into this series, that's one of the things I want us to talk about. But one of the things I realized when we talk about generosity, a lot of times people's mind, think for a second, what comes to mind when you hear generosity? Anybody want to offer something? (laughs) That never fails. Money, finances. And, and, and so when we think about talking about generosity, going into a series of generosity, you may think it's going to be all about money. Well, it will be. Um, no, I'm just kidding. To this morning, what we're actually going to talk about is different possibilities and ways to be generous that are really, according to Jesus, ways that are not about money. But the reality is, part of generosity is truly about money because money is, in many ways, the measure of what we most hold dear. It's our power. It's, it's where we can get the things we want. It's how we use our money. It's so important. And so at one point, Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, when he was struggling with this whole concept of God and seeing God as this angry God and, and how you had, to, you had to do things in order to get God to approve you and love you, and he was living life that way, he went down to Rome hoping to have a spiritual experience had one, but probably not the way he had envisioned. He got down there and he saw the very things that he was living out in his own life. He saw people doing things to try and get God to save them, and somehow through their actions, he saw people who were very wealthy. He saw a lot of gold and wealth down there, and and, and when he was visiting, he saw how the power were abusing the power less. He saw how the very clever and insightful were taking advantage of those who were more ignorant and didn't understand. He had seen that where he lived in his back country of Germany, where he would see people would come from Rome and they would sell indulgences. They would sell things like splinters of the cross to help a person buy some years out of purgatory so they someday could get to heaven. And, and when he went to Rome, he saw all the splendor, he saw all this, and he came back disillusioned. He started reading the Word of God, and as he read the Word of God, he encountered this word that said, God is incredibly gracious and merciful and forgiving. 
And we receive this generous love of God, not because we do all kinds of things to get it, but because in the heart of God, he desires to be generous. And he just asks for people to get real about their life, to recognize their own stinginess, their own sinfulness, their own shortcomings. And when they recognize that and recognize their need, recognize that this heart needs to be transformed, it needs to be changed by faith and faith alone in this generous, gracious God, he transforms our hearts. And he made this statement. He wrote these words. He said, when it comes to generosity, when it comes to this whole idea of a lifestyle where you're truly generous, he said there are three conversions that are very necessary in people. Every person, he says, three of them. The conversion of the head, the conversion of the heart, and the conversion of the pocketbook. I thought that was very insightful. You kind of, well, why the pocketbook? Well, we understand there needs to be a conversion of our head. We need to come to a place where we go, what God has revealed in his word through Jesus Christ is true, it's accurate. And that's a conversion of the head. You understand the information. You know that's to be true. Well, it says in James that even Satan believes that. So the information alone doesn't really transform you. It, it more or less might convert the way you start thinking. But then he said there needs to be another conversion that shows up in your heart. And that kind of conversion transforms you. It begins to, as you let this information and you open your heart, it transforms your heart. So you begin to start believing that graciousness and generosity is in the heart of God. And then if it's going to be real, Jesus at one point said, you'll know people, what, by their fruit. A good tree will, will actually begin to produce good fruit. And, and at one point his brother James said, faith without works is dead. You can't just proclaim in your head and say you have this heart experience because if you do faith will actually be something that works itself out by the way you live so the reality is that yes eventually if you put it the way that Luther put it it will hit your pocketbook it will make a difference in the way that you use your finances and the way you handle it and Jesus would be very real about that too when he spoke about generosity. He would talk about finances. He'd talk about how you use your money. He would talk about that because he knew that for many people in our heart, the, the deepest transformation comes around when we begin to realize our security, our provision, and all that we have come from knowing that this God is loving and generous and he is the one who provides for us so that when he calls for us and he asks us in by our heart, to be prompted to move, to be generous like him, even with our finances, we are living in the security not in what we can do, but in what he does and what he can do for us. And so Jesus thought that was so important. Do you know that he spent 15% of his time speaking, that we have recorded in God's word, 15% of his around money. What you do with it, how you, how you handle it, how you view it, what you look like with it. And so he would talk often about this, and, and I got thinking about it, 15% of his time. So if we were to do that in the church and just do it according to Sunday mornings, take 52 Sunday mornings, you know that, that we would spend eight Sunday mornings a year on finances. Or maybe translate another way, 12 months out of the year, we would spend January and February talking about finances, and most of you wouldn't show up till March. That's a joke. Because as I was thinking about it, and honestly, folks, you know, people say, you know, people in churches and people talk about so much about money and that's what religion's all about. And 
As I reflected on this and looked back over the last 96 months that I've been here at Wyzetta, I realized as I counted up the amount of time I've spent speaking on finances and how we handle it, out of 96 months, I've only spent two months on it. That's 2%. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And one of the things that I resolved to do when I came here as a pastor and we've been doing, I think, as a leadership, is we've made a commitment to not... Um, be afraid to talk about money, to be honest about it, and to, and to bring it up when it needs to be brought up. Not just when we're in times that are difficult, and not just when we're... But we really want to bring it up also when there's good times. And what I have found from you as a congregation, I just want to share this with you, you've been incredibly generous. When we have shared with you the good times, you continue to be generous. When we've come to some difficult times where we need to stretch, you've been generous. When we've come to you with projects that are way over and above beyond. I remember one time we were trying to raise $50,000 to send to Mongolia. We got it almost like that. I remember when we were sending some money over to Peru and we got it like that. I remember when we were talking about Hammers of Hope and helping provide for them a van because they need that over in this community that they serve in. It's amazing how people have responded. I just have to say I thank God for your generosity. But what I also want to do is be upfront because when we were meeting and talking about this series with our, with our team of um, worship people, and what's really funny is we had a couple of different millennials in our group, you know, the, those who are younger, and, and they were like, when I said, let's talk about generosity, they're kind of like, oh, we got a building thing coming up. Everyone's going to know that you're talking about generosity because you're going to kind of get them, you know, you're going to use it to manipulate them, to pressure them to get money. I said, well, of course. Um, <laughs> I said, no, we're going to be honest about it. You know, Paul, when he came to Macedonia, um, he, he, he shared with people about the love of God. He went on, and at one point he sent a letter because he was going to come back to Macedonia, but he sent the letter with one of his followers back there, and he said to them, prior to coming, I want to share with you this incredible need, this incredible opportunity in Jerusalem, and I'm sharing this with you now so your heart can be prepared. And so part of what I do want to say when we talk about generosity in these coming weeks is I do want to share with you some very important principles from the Word of God, but you need to recognize in the context we haven't spent a whole lot of time as a church in that. And yet at the same time, I'm not going to deny the fact that we do have this opportunity and we're really excited about it. We're really excited. I just heard yesterday that um, the carpeting and pews and all this stuff has not been, we've not ever refreshed or remodeled any of this in this sense out here. it's as, as old as... All, no, wait. Bruce, our middle school pastor, and the last time we did it, he was two years of age. And he's 55. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's 20-some years or whatever. And, uh, and we know we need to do this. This is true. And we also know, as we've been seeing, when we, have, we, have, we have space here, but what we don't have space is around the building and for the youth and some of the outreach and stuff. And we've talked about this multi-use room. And we're really excited about it. So in one sense, I want to share with you this. We're going to talk somewhat about that. So I'll be right up front with you. But that's important. We really believe it's important for the ministry of the church. But at the same time, I want to share with you, generosity is kind of like cotillion. There's a whole lot more than just saying thank you. There's a whole lot more than finances. I really, really believe when it comes to this whole thing, when we start looking at this and we get into this program, what I want you to do, I would love for you to grow in being generous in your heart. And, and when it comes to that specifically, I just want you to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? What is, I don't want you to do anything God doesn't call you and speak to your heart to do. 
But I also want to share with you this morning, and the reason I wanted to start this message on generosity was to talk to you about the fact that there are many other possible ways that God may be calling you to stretch your heart a couple sizes larger. And it doesn't necessarily even have to do with money. Isn't that amazing? So you go through the Gospels, 15% of his time, Jesus is talking about how to handle money. But if you go through it in many ways, you'll find here that he will often teach about something, about what it means to look like generous, like your Father in heaven. It has nothing really to do with money. Or maybe tangentially related to it. And so what I want to do is just kind of go through a few things. And, and I want to start by saying one illustration that, that really touched me in my heart here was our senior high pastor, Phil. Some of you know Phil Linskog. And um, he came to me this last year and he said, Kevin, I have a, a relative who's an extended family member who is in need of a, a kidney. What would you do? <laughs> Just like, um, that was like, I saw my heart was like five sizes too small. And he said, what, should I, what do you think I should do? I said, just pray. God will make it clear what you should do. And he came back to me later. And he said, I believe God wants me to give that. And so I asked Joel if he would Skype Phil. Because Phil right now is visiting out east that person he gave his kidney to earlier this year. Call Phil. I think you should finish brushing first. What? Calling Jill. Your high school girlfriend. No. Maybe you should call your mother instead. That's our new business. Call Phil. Tell him this is the first time you've brushed this week. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, call Phil. Call Will? Bill Lindsay. Call Bill? Not Bill. Call Phil. You could be more giving by loading the dishwasher for once. You keep your opinions to yourself. Hey man. So the the questions right off the bat. So your cousin's name is uh, her name is Karen. Karen. Okay. Cool. Great. And can you just tell me a little bit about Karen's condition and and why she needed a kidney donation? So Karen was born. Uh, let's see. She had type one diabetes. I'm pretty sure it came on in college. Okay. Eighteen, nineteen, and just been a battle throughout uh, her life since then. So she has had her left ankle fused. She's blind in her left eye as some of the results of the, the diabetes. And she's she takes really good care of herself. She's very healthy, but it's kind of something that's always been there. Yeah. And this summer, um, she uh, went and started going into kidney failure. Okay. And started having some pretty pretty serious kidney issues. Wow. Wow. So when... When did you think, hey, I'm going to get tested and see if I'm a match? So I strolled on Facebook and I saw a post by Ginger saying, hey, you know, Karin, uh, her body's not responding to a lot of medications. Doctors are talking emergency uh, dialysis. So here's some information on what's going on. Also, if you feel led, here's a link to do the pre-screening for a kidney donation. Wow. I'm like, oh, all right, I'll do that. On so, Facebook. Yeah, so I kind of just went through the form and signed up for it. I uh, just went for it, and there was never really a uh, if question in my mind, but it's yeah. just, just deep down it was, uh, yeah, when I pass the test, they realize I'm a match, I'll, I'll figure out the whole, you know, the whole donation timeline, but I'll, I'll donate, no problem. Wow, you just knew. Yeah, I just knew. 
That's wild. That is wild. The moment that she found out, the moment that you guys knew it was a go, what was her reaction? Karen responded with extreme gratitude. Um, I remember she wrote me an email afterwards uh, just thanking me and saying thank you so much for uh, everything. We were going back and forth about details and hotels and flights and all that. She said thank you for expressing uh, the love of the father in such a tangible way. And and that, that really hit me. That really hit me hard. Of yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if I can verbalize that. But yeah. I just, I just remember it hitting me. Hitting me deep. Yeah, totally. Karn is one of the most humble people I know, and the idea of receiving a gift like that um, really showed me her character. She was very. She was. She was so appreciative. Yeah. Uh, of of me doing it. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really interesting. It was, it was almost difficult for me because I didn't feel like I was, I was worthy of, of the thanks that she was giving. Yeah. Yeah. Everything went smooth? Yeah, you know, they, uh, they said they pulled out my kidney. Okay. <laughs> they have to say that. Yeah, so they, well, no, they told me this afterwards that doctor so reaches hands and grabs it out with his free and goes this is a a big perfect plump kidney <laughs> and so I figured if those are going to be words that describe me at least it's about a body part I'm giving to someone who needs it. so how's Karen doing now she's doing fantastic three weeks outside of her appointment her doctor told her that she is the poster child for what the perfect kidney transplant looks like wow yeah, and she continues to uh, just amaze doctors of how well uh, she is doing uh, post-transplant. Oh, that's fantastic, man. That's yes. great. Well, man, thank you so much for sharing this with us. This is this is amazing. Absolutely. Thanks, man. I appreciate the, the chance to share what God's been doing. High five. Right there. Well... Phil had to be talked into sharing that because he just, um, he really is a humble guy. And uh, as she said to him, just simply thank you for expressing the love of our Father. And you know what? There's lots of ways to do that, folks. There's lots of ways. I want you to think about in these remaining moments of the message. Where are those places that God's saying, I want you to stretch your heart in generosity, maybe another size larger. What would that look like? What does that mean to you? Jesus um, talked about a number of possibilities. And it's really interesting when he'd give a teaching on something and it wasn't necessarily around the finances, at the end so often he would say, be generous or live generously or give. In fact, at one point he says in, in, in Matthew 10, this is when he's giving instructions to his disciples after he shares with them how to go about it. He says, freely you have received, so freely give. So often we get this teaching and we think it's just around finances, but God is really, really much more concerned. You know, he doesn't need really our finances. What he wants is to transform our hearts so that we become more generous. 
And so if anything happens in this whole series, my whole prayer is that, that I will learn and you will learn what it means to express the love of the Father in a more gracious and more generous way. And what would that look like? Well, Jesus gives a bunch of examples. One of these says, be generous. Here's one way. Love those who are hard to love. You know, maybe think about that as something around generosity, but that's what Jesus shares with us. He says, be generous with your love, especially those who are hard to love. So I want you to think for a moment. In your life, there, there may be someone who's really hard to love. And, and that person comes to mind. What would it look for you to, like for you to be generous there? What might it feel like for God to say, I want you to stretch a little bit here? And in fact, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, 43 through 48, and I'll read from the, the message because it, it, it sounds like our language. He says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. That's kind of a pretty worldly kind of view. You know, love your, your friend, but go ahead. It's okay to hate the person who is tough to love. He says, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let your enemies bring the best in you, not the worst. I remember when I was, um, uh, we moved here. My parents moved here from Minnesota and we went down to Rockford, Illinois. It was in my, we moved in the middle of my seventh grade year, which is a really difficult time. Going into middle school was tough. I was in uh, Plymouth Junior High when it was brand new. And if you remember, I've said this before, modular scheduling and all this cool stuff that really only college kids should get and they're not even able to use modular scheduling well. But anyway, I, I go to Rockford, Illinois and, and I'm kind of living out in the suburbs, but um, it was at that time where they were um, integrating things and I had to drive way into a city a school that was a um, really a school that was was fairly run down and 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 it was just all so strange and it's all so new to me and on the bus ride back I'd ride back with these guys who were kind of living in my area and I found as I was coming into it it was even tough for me to relate tough for me to fit in I was trying to fit in and I remember we'd be on the bus ride a number of different times I'd feel lonely and I remember one time one of the couple of guys who were kind of my friends were, were there and one of the other guys I didn't know as well was giving out candy and he gave it out to everybody and then he made some comment to me and I made some kind of comment back and I said, give me some candy. He said, no, I said, I'll fight you for it. And so we got off the bus and we, ever had a, you maybe didn't do this, but I used to fight a lot when I was a little kid. I remember I was exhausted and I, I, I came home with a bloody nose, which is not a bad thing, because if it's a bloody nose, it'll go away. But he ended up at school for the next five days with a black eye, which, you know. And I say all that because my reaction was so middle schoolish, right? I can tell you why I did that. I can tell you, and I wasn't proud of myself, and, except for I did like that black eye. Anyway, um, honestly, though, I, I looked at that, and I go, Jesus says, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out your true selves, God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best. The sun to warm and the rain to nourish. To everyone, regardless. Do you expect a bonus? Um, he, says, he says, regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. Now here's what he says in verse 48. 
be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you go, well, wait a second. I mean, I'm supposed to strive to be perfect? Is this, am I back in this works thing that I got to come out and be perfect? No, he's not saying that. The word perfect in that idea is more the idea of quit being a middle schooler. With the people that are around you that are hard to love, the people, and I don't care what it is going on, because we can all come up with ideas of what's going on, but our response is what's important. How we act versus how we react is what Jesus is talking about. Generosity is the kind of actions, even though you may feel like, like I was going through lonely and insecure and different things like that, and yes, there's a reason to want to strike out, but he says, you know what? I want you to recognize that that I will supply, that I will come. I want you to begin to grow in a generous heart. And what I want you to do is quit the middle school reactions and to begin to love those who are hard to love. I like the way the Amplified puts it. It says, you therefore will be perfect, growing into spiritual maturity, both in mind and character, actively integrating godly values into your daily life as your heavenly Father is perfect and mature. So when we talk about generosity, let's get off of money for a while. Let's talk about how's God trying to cause you to grow up in your situation right now, right where you're at, in loving those who are hard to love. Be generous, he says. Put others first. There's another teaching of Jesus. In fact, we're going to look at this under two points because Jesus goes to some guy's house. He's been invited over. He's, the host invites a whole book group of people there and Jesus comes in and Jesus is this master observer. He watches how people act and he, he then likes to teach off of how he sees people acting. He says he went on to tell a story. At one point he got up and he asked him, you know, tell us a story. You're a great storyteller, Jesus. So Jesus gets up. He went around to tell a story to the guests around the table, <clears throat> noticing how each had tried to elbow their way into the place of honor. You ever seen that when you go into a place, everyone's trying to get up to that front seat and you want to get to the best seat and you've got to get there. And he says, you know, he said, somebody more important now, here's what you've got to take in mind. He says, somebody more important, um, oh, I have this part. He says, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Now, I want to share with you, he's not giving you instructions here on how to get ahead. Okay, this is not what it is. You do these techniques, you're going, to get a, you know, you're going to get the best seat. So that's not what he's talking about. So he says, when someone invites you to dinner, don't take the place of honor. Somebody more important than you might have been invited by the host. Then he will come and call out in front of everybody. As you're sitting here, he goes, hey, you're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this man. And he, has, he ushers you out and Jesus says, red face, you'll have to make your way to the very last table. The only place left. When you're invited to dinner, here's, here's what he says, go and sit in the last place. And then when the host comes, he may very well say, friend, you shouldn't be back here. You, friend, come up to the front. And that will give the dinner guests something to talk about. Can you believe it? The host says, this guy, how special he is? He's come up to the front. That'll give him something to talk about. What I'm saying is, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to get, end up flat on your face. If you're content to simply be yourself, you will become more than yourself. If you seek always to try and grab the best for yourself, if your heart is such that it's not generous, giving to others, letting others move into the places that God may have them to be, you're going to find yourself often in situations that are painful. And possibly embarrassing. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't want to even include this point in the sermon. Because I really struggle with this. And I knew my wife would be sitting here. And I know that at some point, when we're in the airport, she's going to say, remember when you spoke on this? Because when I get in the airport, I'm just like a transformed person. 
It's like, I got to be first in line and first here. And I don't, I want to make sure, anybody like this, you want to make sure your case is up on that shelf because you don't want it being tagged, right? And I'm reading this thing and God's saying, um, don't rush to grab the best seat. Part of generosity is not trying to hide the biggest piece of pie so you can get it. Ever, ever, how many of you know what that's like? Remember, you want the, the piece? Okay, just think, like again, like you're in grade school. How many wanted the piece with the most frosting? Yeah, okay. That's a few of you are honest. He's basically saying, be generous. Trust God to provide. Relax. Look for opportunities to let someone get ahead of you if it's okay. And, and the problem with this whole idea of generosity, I can tell you what I do not like about it, it can actually inconvenience you. It is, it, I'm not telling you, it's not, he's, Jesus wasn't getting rules to get ahead. He was talking about what a generous heart looks like. There are lots of opportunities for you to practice growing your heart a little bit larger, such as when you're in the grocery checkout line. To maybe say, yeah, oh, sure, you look like you're only in a hurry. It may be in your car when the other guy is in your, you know what I mean? You know what that's like, that game where you're kind of going like this. So think about it for a second. Because you may not have that problem, but maybe this is something God is speaking to you about. What does it look like for you to put others first? To not grab after what you think you deserve. Are you willing to be inconvenienced? I'm not saying this lightly because I am wrestling with whether I really want to ever be inconvenienced like that. But it is a really deep issue. It's about generosity. It's about a heart that's generous. And what does that look like? And you know what? Jesus isn't giving rules and laws here. He's not giving techniques. He's just talking about a heart and how it responds to situations when, when you're there and the Spirit of God is prompting you and you sense the Spirit of God saying, hey, look, at pull back right now. Don't grab the biggest piece. What if you gave the biggest piece to that person and, and just honored them? Be generous, not only with those who are hard to love, and, and be generous not by trying to be first, but by putting other people first. He says, be generous. This is another one that really can be difficult. Give to those who can't give back. You ever, you ever been in that situation? How often, how much we do, we give because we kind of know there's some string attached that somehow we'll get something back? Jesus, he's, he's at this banquet. He already offends all the people who have been trying to grab the best seat. You know, anybody who says Jesus is meek and mild and this kind of pushover, I, they're just crazy because listen to this. We read in, in Luke 14, again, reading from the, the message, Jesus challenges them. He says, then Jesus turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner... Don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who return a favor. Invite some people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. You'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. And oh, how it will be turned at the resurrection of God's people. I, I just think about that. And what does it mean to help someone who can't help you back? What does it mean to say, God, you know, I, I'm going to go and help at a homeless shelter. That might be a stretch your heart a little bit generosity move. What does it mean to take time out of your day and maybe go give blood? I have a daughter who just gives blood every month and now she's got her whole family doing that. 
I can tell you, it, it takes time. But it's really fun if you do it with other people too. Because so my daughter and I race to see who can go fastest. And it, there's ways to make this stuff fun. Give an anonymous gift through the Caring Fund. When we take a Caring Fund once a month, you're probably never going to see where it goes. But we will read some more letters of the impact it's made on people's lives. Sending money to feed the poor. You may never meet the child. You may never be a part of the village that was impacted by it. Teaching English as a second language. I think of some of the people who go to our um, to uh, Mobile Hope and they're teaching English. And, and, and my guess is that they may not ever see the results in that person's life. But you know what? People whose lives are touched, let's say through that experience, they feel the love and experience the love of God at a point. They come to faith in Christ. As a result of that, they begin to lead their whole family and their children's children and their children's children to the Lord. You know what happens in those kind of situations? We may not see it in this life, but Jesus made this really interesting statement. He said at one point that the people of the world are much more shrewd. They're much more wise than we are. And at a certain point, he looks at all the people and he says, here's what I want you to do. I tell you, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Here's the picture I get. There's a, you know, here is this facility. We sit in this facility, and some people years ago, and we're going to talk about this, a group of women got together and began to pray and said, God, we really believe this area needs your spiritual presence. And so they began to pray, and as they began to pray, they felt prompted by God to stretch in faith and start a church and to give money actually to build a church, and they did all that. And at a certain point, they moved it to here. And other people who you've never met are going to, came and they helped provide this. And as they provided this, they provided not just a facility, Facility, but they provided a place for God to touch your heart. I have a feeling that someday a whole group of people are going to be lined up. They're going to say hello to Jesus when they get to heaven. They're going to thank him. And some are going to find those group of women and say, thank you so much because of what you did back then. You never knew it, but you touched my life and my children's children's life. Because you were generous. I want to prepare your heart to think about as this stuff happens and we talk about renovating this or this multi-use you may never ever see the people who are touched by it but you know what someday you may be welcomed into eternal dwellings by people whose lives have been touched by it think about the day in heaven when you may be there and some people may look for you because you touched their lives by maybe giving a gift to some of the people in the ministry that we've had in Mongolia you never met them, but you're going to meet them someday. Or the family or the children's children of those who you provided homes for in Peru. Or Poland or Ethiopia or Mobile Hope or Hammers of Hope. Some of you share in Hammers of Hope ministry, which goes and, and they, they help take care of widows. And they'll also do homes for single mothers who can't afford it. Or people in situations where there's some desperation and they paint homes, they repair homes, they put up, they do stuff. And you know what? They may see it there, but they probably never will see it completely till they stand in heaven some days and hear the stories of because of what they did and what it did for the lives of people. You are probably doing that already. Because as I said, you are a generous group. God has blessed us with your generosity. And I'm so excited for how God's going to continue to do that. Because as you do that and you grow your generous heart, you begin to start realizing that when I give sometimes and I just don't get back, it is okay. Because my reward might not be here. So there's this whole idea of a generous heart, which is much more than financial giving. It's the way you invest your time. It's the way you use your personal gifts in serving other people. It's the way that you um, come around someone and maybe even use your home and open it up for some people. There's just so many ways you can learn to be generous. But what does it mean for you to be generous in ways when you do it that you don't expect anything in return? 
You love those who are hard to love. You begin to start saying, God, I want to kind of put others first. You begin to start saying, God, I recognize when I do this, I may not get something back, at least now. And then he says, be generous. Here's another really incredibly important way. And it's in our attitudes. He says, ease up on your fault-finding attitudes. And when it comes to being judgmental, when it comes to all the kind of stuff, it's really interesting. You know that we're all born with an in, what, I, what, what studies tell us is an innate protection system. And it works like this. Our self-perceptions are distorted. Our self-perceptions are distorted because we look at ourselves through rose-colored glasses. None of us really see ourselves accurately. But on the other side of it, we all believe we have very accurate perceptions when we look at someone else. Isn't that Interesting. It happens in marriages, it happens in workplace, it happens in sports teams, in church communities. It's this simple, basically if I just put it down into a phrase, it's I'm right and you're biased. Scientific studies show that they say most people have an inflated view of themselves. And what they think is, is that I'm realistic, I'm right, I see things as they really are, but other people are biased and self-serving. That's what all the studies, and I've been reading in this one book that has a number of these studies. The underlying attitudes leads to being stingy with our view of others, and it impacts then how we treat others. So Jesus, long before any of these studies were done, understood this. One of the things that comes out of the studies, here's what one of the studies concludes. Finding fault with yourself is one of the few is one of the keys to overcoming hypocrisy and judgmentalism that so often damage valuable relationships. Basically, he has just the study has just concluded what Jesus talks about. He says, first take the plank out of your own eye before you try and grab a bit of sawdust out of the eye of someone else. He says, be generous. Be really careful. Ease up on how you treat others and how you judge them and how you come across with accusations. And so Jesus grounds generosity in a really simple rule called the golden rule. Social scientists call it the ethic of reciprocity. This idea that we, we, we treat someone else as we want to be treated. And Jesus says that in 631 of Luke. And then he goes on just a few verses later in verse 37. Let me read to you some practical ways where you can hear what Jesus says about what you do with your fault-finding tendencies. He wants us to have a generous heart. He says, don't pick on people. Don't jump on their failures. Don't criticize their faults. I'm going, tick, tick, right? Am I the only one? You guys awake? Unless, of course, Jesus says, you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. Give away your life. You'll find life given back, but not merely given back. Given back with bonus and blessing. Here he goes again. Giving, not getting, is the way generosity begets generosity. He hasn't said a thing about money. One of the ways that we get a generous heart is the way that we respond and the way we view others. So don't be stingy. Be careful how quickly you turn to what's negative. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Think twice before you do all judgments and accusations. Be careful when you start to gossip. Consider the ways you withhold grace or mercy or patience. And I ask you to think of this because this is the heart of the gospel. 
The most stingy heart is the heart that will fail to forgive. And you may be in a position of that where it's the heart that holds another one hostage by forgiveness. You go, but wait a second, I forgive them, I let them off the hook. No, you don't let them off the hook. They're still on God's hook. You're just letting them off yourself so that you can begin to grow and become the generous person God wants you to be. And there's all kinds of truths and teaching around boundaries and all kinds of stuff when we talk about things like this. And I'm not going to bring all those up, but the reality is there are those kind of things that are important for other people's growth as well as your own. Be generous. Give away what God has given you. Matthew 10.8 is really kind of interesting. He says, give freely as you have received. Give freely as you have received. Again, this is one of these, you know, you kind of go, oh, he must be talking about money. He's not at all talking about money in this situation here. In fact, when I was, um, my girls were two and four. That's about the ages we were. We went on a, a trip, and we were, at that point, didn't have a lot of money. So we were on this road trip, and we on vacation, and, and we ate at lunch at a place, and I thought, I'm going to be really generous. I didn't normally do this. And, and so they were kind of eyeing a big box of Skittles. And I thought, okay, I'll buy those Skittles. So I bought the Skittles, and I gave the Skittles to the kid in the car. And we get back in the car, we're on this road trip, and I hear them opening it. And as we're going along, I'm thinking the Skittles sounds like a good idea, right? So you know how you're driving along? You can, as a dad, kind of put your arm back like this and say, you know, guys, how about a couple Skittles? And I even think I said, please. And you would think I'd ask for the world. I mean, it was like, they were like, like, unbelievable and I I'm starting to get steamed I mean I'm a little bit ticked I'm thinking to myself I'm the one who bought you those little box of Skittles I mean you freely were given so hey freely give and I couldn't help but when I was thinking about that, I remember at that time very distinctly I, it was the spirit of God just kind of in his gentle loving way said Kevin you do that all the time with me. You know how often I ask you to do something to touch someone else's life, being generous like this, to give away what you've been given, this idea where God has touched your life. He's, you know, someone invested some time in you. Someone gave some counsel to you. Someone actually you know, took care of your kids when they were ill. Someone came in you know, all kinds of ways. And then when someone comes to do the same thing and they ask for the same thing, and I go, oh, no way. And I think so often one of the things that Jesus says about being generous is for us just to pay attention to those times where we, again, it's about the Spirit of God. We're not talking about laws and and, and rules that we're supposed to follow. We're talking about a rule and a law that guides a heart, which is love and generosity that is always asking in a very human way to our Father, Father, are you prompting me? Father, is this something where you're stretching my heart? Is this something that you want my heart to grow a baby a, a, a little bit size larger? And that's what I pray for us as a church. My prayer for us as a church that we're not about a bunch of laws, but we're about learning how to listen to the Spirit of God and act at a heart of love. And that means that you're going to have to come before God and say, God, I just want a more big heart, a generous heart like your heart. So be generous and give away what you've been given. I'm going to ask the team to come forward at this time because there's just one last thing I, I just want you to know. And, and I'm just going to conclude with this. So as the team comes and we conclude in worship, I just want you to be generous and do something unexpected. I think, the, I think Jesus said that in many different ways. He actually says at one point, here's another saying that deserves a second look, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. 
Now think about it. Is that getting you anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. Surprise people. Be gracious and be merciful. Begin to grow in a generous heart. I love this, and I've shared this before. I know it's probably a good thing to put on your desk or in a mirror, but it's those words from Rick Warren in the first page, the first paragraph, the first sentence of his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Surprise people. He says this. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's greater than you. And surprise people with response as the Spirit leads you towards generosity.